Hi there, House Culture listener. If you enjoy this episode or have enjoyed listening to other episodes in our series, please support and donate to us through the Acast Supporter feature. All donations will help us create the content that you love listening to. You can decide how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So it could be a one-off and every now and then or once every time you listen. It's really up to you. Click on the supporter link in the episode description and with Google or Apple Pay, it will take you less than 30 seconds to make your contribution. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Paul Linney, and you're listening to the House Culture Podcast. House Culture. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the House Culture Podcast hosted by me, the Managing Editor at House Culture, Matt Rouse. Thanks so much for joining us today. As ever, we at House Culture are absolutely delighted to be able to bring a little bit of the club directly into your headphones or however else you might be listening to this. If this is the first time you've tuned into the podcast, first of all, welcome. And second of all, please make sure you have a dig through our back catalogue of episodes which feature interviews with the likes of Fatboy Slim, Tall Paul, Brandon Block, Greg Wilson, Terry Farley, Smoking Joe and many more. Even if you don't recognise the name, I guarantee you they have a fascinating story to tell. And if you want to get to know house culture a little bit better, as I always say, we are a collective of house music fans who have come together through our mutual love of the beat to celebrate the spirit of house music. Instagram is where the party happens and you can find us there at housecultureNet. Follow that and you'll get a daily dose of all things related to this scene we know and love. Let's get on with this next episode, shall we? In this one, we chat to a DJ who might not have the name recognition he deserves, but it's certainly one of the hardest working DJs out there. Whether he's playing to a crowd of clued up clubbers at his residency at Pikes Hotel in Ibiza, or an A-list guest list at the after party of the National Television Awards, This guy uses his deep musical knowledge and feel for the dance floor to always deliver the right vibes wherever they might be needed. His name is Paul Linney. In this chat, he tells us how long it took him to decide to become a full-time DJ. 50 was when I came home and informed my wife that I'd left work and that I was having a career in music. Uh, She said, why didn't we discuss this? And I said, well, if we discussed it, I wouldn't be having a career in music. What his approach is in terms of programming a set. With house, well, I try to almost compose it and use it as an instrument. 
his secret of how he gets everybody moving on the dance floor. When I played at Pikes, I didn't play anything that I thought I was going to play. I wanted to be house and the room just emptied. On the fourth track, they started coming in and then all of a sudden it all kicked off and it was brilliant. And how lucky he is to be doing what he's doing. I, ju- I just have to pinch to myself to believe that you know, through something I love so much that it's just just so much fun. I don't work. I've never been so busy, but I've, I don't work. It's just fun. <laughs> As has been mostly the case with this second season of podcasts, this conversation was recorded pre-lockdown, so any dates that are discussed might be out of date. So please check all the current situations if you hear us mention something you like. Disclaimer done. Let's get this party started. This is Paul Linney. House Culture. Hi, Paul. Thanks for joining us on the House Culture podcast. Hi, Matt. Uh, you're one of the hardest working DJs out there if you're not playing at one of your residencies at Pikes Hotel in Ibiza or the Groucho Club in London you're jetting off somewhere exotic to play an A-listers party however before we get to all of that we always like to start at the very beginning Um, how did you first discover a love of music? The first real recollection was my father making me a crystal radio set to show my age, which basically <laughs> involved the washing line being changed for a, an aerial and a little cable coming through into my bedroom and me sitting there with these old-fashioned World War Two <laughs> headphones on listening to Radio Caroline. Time for bed. OK, Dad. Upstairs every night. That's all I did was go to bed and listen to listen to music. Yeah. Um, and then at school, when I was about, well, I must have been around about the same sort of time, they had a school orchestra, which I tried to get into, and I was absolutely appalling. My timing musically was diabolical. No way. Yeah, thank God for MIDI and computers and, <laughs> and Ableton and quantizing yeah. and all such things. Um, what what was your preferred instrument? For triangle, that? which I still, <laughs> which I still managed to uh, hit at the wrong time. Uh, there was the, the scene in the Mikado where Gilbert Sullivan, where yeah. beautiful crescendo, and then you had to have a ting. I could never get the ting in the right place. So I managed to get myself booted out of the school orchestra. Uh, but one of the things they did do was come up to London every other week from Staines, we'd come to Waterloo and then we'd go to the Royal Festival Hall and, and listen to the Robert Mayer's Orchestra. And it was it was just, I just loved listening to that, to music. And it was it was all different types of music. It was orchestral versions of pop hits. Mm. And then we'd go off and we'd go and see, do something cultural, like going to an art gallery or, or something like that, which was, yeah. was really, actually, I, I found it was a great grounding for moving further on. Uh, because I've from that, I think I've got a love for people like Jean-Michel Jarre, Ennio Morricone, yeah. things th- that that kind of, especially when I'm playing a chilled set in in Ibiza, which I do quite a quite a bit. That kind of music and a knowledge of that and what's going to work, I think, helps. Yeah, what has helped me it has been something I've been able to draw on. Yeah, and uh, what kind of age was it that you thought, you know, you, you wanted to have a career in music, or did it just kind of happen? It just happened. That didn't. It happened. In terms of what age did I want a career in music? This is going to sound. I would say 50. <laughs> I'm 60, well, 62 this year, so 50 was when I wow. you know, when I decided I, I wanted to, I, I came home and informed my wife that I'd left work and that I was having a career in music. Uh, she said, why didn't we discuss this? And I said, well, if we discussed it, I wouldn't be having a career in music. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, 50 is when I 
decided. Yeah, but yeah. everything that I did before that, it, it, it was just... It almost inevitable based on what everything that had come before. When when I was young, in my teenagers years, I'd be listening to the radio, as I said, but we we sort of progressed a bit. We we got a, a wireless rather than the, the crystal set, and um, I tape music for parties and put stuff together. So at parties, I would be the I was that was to get invited to all the parties because that was. At that age, before you were going to youth clubs, and the only way to get the girls was to get to the parties. Yeah. To get to the party, be the guy that brings the music was a was a pretty uh, ingenious way of ensuring that you got to the good parties. So, so you're already being like a selector. I, yeah, 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 very much so. Yeah. Um, and that sort of moved on to when when records came out to about twelve inches. Mm. I was on those like a rash. I, I every Saturday down, I'd spend my money and I borrow money off my brother I had to, yeah. had to give him when eventually <laughs> I had to pay him back some serious amounts of money um, but yeah I, I was I was getting imports and they were costing this is gotta be early 70s mid mid 70s you'd be paying one pound 50 to three pound yeah which was an, an awful lot of money it was as much five or two or three times what you paid to get in a club yeah Yes, it was it was, a, it was a lot of cash, and I was buying two or three of those the week. No way. And where where were you buying these from, and what kind of music was it that it was? Uh... It was basically it was Americans, uh, jazz, funk, and funk, and yeah. dance or disco, as it was called. Literally everything now that's been remixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I've got that one. I've got that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all come back. Hasn't it's it? all come back. Yeah, yeah. but it, it was just a local local restaurant. I didn't come up to London or or do any of that. That yeah. kind of thing at that stage. And you were buying records with a view to be a DJ to push on that selector. Yeah, it was more. Yeah, it was again. It was to to be the person that went to the party with yeah. the with the record bag. Yeah, we yeah. have Paul because he's got X Y Z records. Yeah, yeah. It, I didn't see myself as I didn't have the confidence to to go and be. I, I want to be a DJ. The first time I really DJed was when I was at Chertsey Lock, mm-hmm. which is a nightclub. I. I Taking business studies, college, and went out to Big Wild World with all these bits of certificates and paper and thinking, you know, that I was going to earn fortunes, and came down with a bit of a bang. And then the, this club that we, a whole group of us, all used to go to, the owner said to me, "Oh, we've, we've got a vacancy for bar manager. I know you've done bar work whilst you were studying. Would you be interested in it?" What he offered me was more than I was currently being earning, plus. I'd live in, which took me about 30 seconds or not even 33 seconds to decide yes. Yeah. Uh, so it means I was able to move out of home, be where all my friends were. Okay, yeah, I had to work, but there was always afters and, yeah, it was, it was yeah. This so was, you were living in the club, basically. I was living in the club, the house. <laughs> well, you had the club and then there was a house next yeah. door. It wasn't yeah. the best room. That came later when the manager left and they asked me to be, I, I, was, I then got made up to assistant manager and the, the manager left and they said I'd be temporary general manager, which I was for three years. And I got a company car, which was, was that Merck that I think you saw on Facebook. Yeah. Um, they insured it, they paid the petrol. And I was just driving around in this thing. I was just like, it was good. Life yeah. was good at that stage. And we, we had guys like Chris Hill, Robbie Vincent. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, your, your Pete Tongs of that era. Yeah. These guys were coming down and playing one, at least once a month. Um, and we have Rusty coming down every week on the Sunday. So, yeah, it was good. One of the slots that we, we had, we would have a newcomer and we'd have an agency that would put some, an unknown mm-hmm. 
but they had to be genre specific. They had to sort of like fit in with this jazz, funk, soul thing that we were doing on, on the Saturday night. And it was snowing and he didn't turn up, but we still had, and the club took five, 600 people downstairs and 200 in the restaurant upstairs. We still had three or 400 people in there. Oh, I've seen these guys. <laughs> I've seen these guys, DJ. <laughs> I'll do it. Um, and that's that's when I started. It was literally that. And, yeah, I loved it. And it, it went down well. The bit I didn't like was the the talking between records, which is getting shown my age. We, we had the talking bit between mm-hmm. the tracks, which I didn't do. What I attempted to do was, was mix. Not very well, but... <laughs> It was you know, two garage. Was it just more in terms of like blending, blending. sounds yeah, or rather yeah, than... Yeah, yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't your traditional yeah. trying to... We did, we, you didn't have the equipment to do it. Yeah. But I, I had people shouting out, tell us what this record is, what are you playing? No. And, I, and I was like, well, no, I've, I've, been, reading, I've been reading the papers. Well, not, it wasn't the papers, it was... Um, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, 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 was a, it, it was a magazine. The music press. Yeah, it was yeah. one of the music press. We're all saying about this thing in America where the latest trend was to keep play the music all at the same BPM yeah. and make it continuous and, and not introduce any of the tracks. Let the music do the talking. And that's what I, I started trying to do. It seemed to work. Club still went on. <laughs> 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 the owner loved it. People loved it. They all still turned up. So And that's where I got the, that's where I got the bug. The bug. Yeah. the bug. And that was obviously pre-Acid House. Yes. Um, what changes did you see between then and kind of that Summer of Love explosion, was it? Um, I mean, you hear people like uh, Pete Tong and et cetera talk about um, Chris Hill and that jazz funk scene and whatever. Do you think that was the precursor to Acid yes, House? Yes, definitely. Or do you think Acid House was just an explosion out of nowhere? Do you think it kind no, of it's developed? No, a precursor. Yeah. In my mind. Yeah. Although I, I'm only looking at, I have to say, from an outsider, but from what I saw at the beginning to the pe- people that went into the machine that came out, the yeah. ones that I knew, because a lot of the guys from... Churchy Lot, where I played, then moved on to Queens, mm-hmm. which were the Flying Club, and you had Charlie Chester and Brandon and all that lot. Were there. My door staff all moved to that because they moved with the music. Churchy Lot stayed, which it, what it was was something all things to all people. Yeah. But those that thought, well, hold on, there is a there is there is something more. There was there was that whole culture, and in that culture, there was yeah you know, all the elements, including the drugs and everything that all moved. Those that were in that for the that were going. For the the total experience, they 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 moved over to 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 Queens and everything else that was happening in Windsor. I mean, it was just amazing. It was all just like on my doorstep. <laughs> I would occasionally, as I uh, think I alluded to you before we started, I would occasionally, because I when this happened, I got married and I still am. But you know, we had children, four children. Mm-hmm. Uh, over that period of time during the summer of love and yeah. all the rest of it, but I was I would still go out yeah. occasionally and could see you know think, well, it was t- it was totally different. I, every time I went, I was like, wow, this yeah. is this is amazing. Yeah, it really is amazing. And was there an enthusiasm to be like, okay, I'm going to start playing this type of house music? Uh, that came about. It came about just as I started getting a, a, a love of going back to the children started growing up, and yeah. I had to stop drinking. And I was starting to go to parties and thought, well, the only thing I'm going to do to keep my sanity is go back to what I know at parties and start playing records. Unfortunately, I had friends that had big parties. One one of the guys, one of the first big parties I did was Elton John's next door neighbour, and he he bragged that. 
he actually overlooked Elton John and the Queen rather because Elton John said, oh, I overlooked the Queen. Yeah. This guy said, I overlooked Elton John and the Queen. And his, his, his garden was, was I think had about 300 people camping in the garden. They, they hired all this massive kit in and I played from, I think it was about two in the afternoon till 10 the next morning. I did the whole thing right through and it was just a, it was something for the family. The bit I really, really enjoyed was the house set. Yeah. When was this, sorry? Oh, this would have been 98. And what was it about the house set that you loved? Just the fact that you could blend it. It it just all works. Whereas if you're playing chart music or you're playing some indie, I I still play an awful lot of indie in-house sets because I I like to sort of move things around. I like to have a really eclectic set. It was the continuity of it and my ability to to be able to weave a sort of a, a thread through house music. Yeah. Whereas with charts, there, there's a sort of it, there would be an expected, well, you've got to play this one, you've got to play that one. And it was, it, it, it was quite difficult in my mind to be able to continuously keep people's in or keep the tempo going or keep a sort, sort of beat or, or whatever. Yeah. Whereas with, with house, it's like you, well, I try to almost compose it and use it as an instrument. Does that make sense? No, yeah, perfect. I mean, um, we interviewed Nick Muir on the podcast and he obviously, he's like half of Bedrock with John Digweed, massive progressive house. And he described it as he doesn't necessarily play progressive house as a genre. Him and John Digweed play a sound, you know, it's not about one specific track. It's about the whole and the set and what you create, putting all those things together. It makes perfect sense. Yes. Uh, I also, I mean, now when I play, I will, with the right crowds... I will have, I'll play two tracks and I'll have a third one going, which will have a continuous, whilst I, I would still be blending everything in and out, but I'll also have some, a loop that I've done myself that I'll have that will give it continuity from start to finish. Yeah. And if I'm trying to be really clever, I'll have another one with a bass line, which I'll bring in and out. Another thing I don't do, which hopefully I can do in some clubs here, where they've given me enough headroom, is actually use volume as a tool yeah. so I, I won't play full volume for a couple of reasons but you know sometimes I'll jump on them and they're like you think what the hell's going they've got it all turned up to the red and it's just like I'll pull it I'll pull it right down and I'll, and I'll go on and I'll actually take it I'll, if they're doing that I'll, I'll just completely drop the thing just drop the whole energy because yeah. it, I want to reset the levels in terms of the energy in the room but also in the, in the sound system Pull it down to give myself some headroom because it will sound better anyway, and, and and probably louder if they if they put got all the compressors kicking in. But then I've got that room to manoeuvre. I don't like having no room to go when I really want to push it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I and and that's for me. That's all part of what I can do with house music as well. It just allows you that that space. Yeah, like you say, you're composing it. It's like giving the crowd that kick up the arse, you know? When you're in a club and a DJ's playing and, you know, suddenly the volume levels increase, you know, it puts everyone on that different level, doesn't it? If you're maxed out from the start. Yeah, if you're maxed out from the start. One of the things I like, it's fairly fairly simple, but whack a load of effects on it. It just, you've got echo and and reverb and maybe a delay and the thing, and, and, and you're doing a filter as well. You just take... Drop the filter, and then you gradually pull it back, and it's it's just you can virtually hear what, what the track is, but it's it's sort of like muffled, and you just yeah. keep going and going and going. But even got the room, it just sounds like somebody's scraping their fingers on the wall. Yeah. Well, they say the room, the headroom. Yeah. And then when you when you go, and then you let it go, yeah. you, that bang when it all goes back again. If if it's if the compressors are all on anyway, 
when you go bang, it doesn't go bang. It's not like a, it's a damn squid. And everyone's like, well, what were we waiting for? You want, you want it to be able to go bang. Yeah. Yeah, probably kick back in. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I get, get excited. Well, like, no, uh, I mean that's, that, that, that's that's that for me that 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 ability, and then you just see everybody just like putting their hands in there and they're hugging each other and they come up and they're like thumping you and put their hands up and slapping your hand. That you just like, wow. Yeah, yeah you've got to live for that. It's yeah, that. It's, just, it's just so it, the 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 feeling you get when you when you do and you think, yeah, it was the guy that wrote the record. I know it's all about the music, but I've I've been like the conduit between the guy that wrote the music. And the people out there, and, and that's how I, in in the right environment. I'm not talking about the corporate stuff I do, but yeah. I'm, we're talking here about in a club. It just it just works. Yeah, yeah. And keep the person away from it. Once R and B, and you know you've got Rihanna and all that stuff. That it it, it can impact so much. Yeah, just go away, be <laughs> alone. <laughs> yeah, you know, but with the right crowd, it just feeds, and I don't even have to think about what I'm going to play. It just it it just happens. Yeah, and the better I, the crowd, the better my set is purely because. I'd feed straight off them. Yeah. And it's an interesting point you made around, like, it's not necessarily you that's made the track, but it's you that's placed it in that right context. Yes. And, you know, you could be playing something that's absolutely banging at nine o'clock in the morning and it's daylight outside. No one's really interested at all, but you've brought it into the room and, like, packaged it in the right way and everyone responds to that. No one's dancing thinking, oh, you didn't make this track. Everyone's dancing because they're like... The the other thing with music, you make an interesting point there that... I can't remember who we were talking about it too, but music being like wine. I think I was having a discussion on Facebook. <laughs> I said, I f- music's like wine because some of it travels and some of it doesn't. You'll have a wine and you'll be on holiday and you're drinking it and you think, this is brilliant, right, I'm going to take this home to my mates. And you take it home to your mates, you all sit around and drink it and it's, can I say that? Yeah, yeah. It's crap. <laughs> you, say you, you say whatever you want, don't <laughs> worry. Okay. Yeah, it's crap. Same thing that happened with music. You'd be in a situation, I wouldn't necessarily play with my mates because I listen to everything. I, I, I shazam. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know whether people, I shazam. I, I shazam everything yeah. um, because I play so many different things. And I think, oh, that might work, that might work. And I've, it's probably tracks I've already got, but I, maybe I've got two or three gigs hence. I think, oh, I need that. I'll just make sure I pull that and put it in the in the bucket. Yeah, Shazam stuff. And then I'll put it all together. So every it's usually Mondays. Mondays is my my music day. I usually had a heavy weekend. Sunday I sort of tend this time of year to have off. Although in the summer I'm doing the polo gigs, so work. But Monday is sort of listening to music, listening to what I've been sent, grabbing all the stuff I've had off Shazam, and then I'll I listen to it. Well, where's that track that was brilliant? And I go, it's there, and it just didn't. It yeah. just doesn't work. Some stuff travels. Yeah. But again, then you, you, I've had other stuff that I've thought. Will it work? Won't it work? And I've played it earlier on in a set in a club just to try it out. But even though I've got a reasonable studio and radio, reasonable sound system, in certain environments, you play it and you think, Christ, where did that come from? There's, there's, there's something going on that you really, you really has to be played loud. And it's a hard thing to try and pick. It, it take, that, that took a lot of learning for my ears to, to be able to listen to short versions of tracks and say that's going to work that's not that's going to work that's not and that's literally there again i see people talk about there's no selecting anymore there's too many but there is selecting there's to me anyway every gig i do i select beforehand i don't pre-judge it but i will try and put together this is how i think it will go i'll probably have four or five different versions of how i think it will go 
and tracks which I call by feelings, the different types of feelings that I think at all times of the, the set that I possibly, possibly, that is, could play. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'll go, I'll play two or three tracks and go, oh dear. <laughs> and have to go, in fact, we're, we're, when I played at Pikes, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't play anything that I thought I was going to play <laughs> because the room, the guys before me were playing quite a, a commercial party set and the room was going really, really well. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't where I wanted to go. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to go sort of quite true because I was playing from, uh, I was meant to be playing from two, but in fact, they wanted they finished early. They finished at one thirty, so I played from one thirty till four. So I was like, "What can I do? What can I do?" I know, and I played a sort of Latiny. So it carried on that party vibe, but I wanted it to be house, and I yeah. wanted it to. And I just think when I see how to, how sort of out of it the crowd go before, depending on where I would go with the set. But I took that, and the room just emptied because the people who had been in there yeah. were were there because they were listening to it was just they were they, they it was good and it was but it I, I was changing after well, I got two and a half hours and I, I was like fourth fourth track in it's working but but the, the other problem we had I don't know if you were, were you there no Rich, our co-founder Rich was there Rich the was night, there yeah. it was the air conditioning wasn't working and it was I thought I was going over twice it was really <laughs> really a, unbearable because the room was just melting yeah um so on the on the fourth track um yeah they started coming in and my wife went they're all outside dancing they can all hear it yeah she said they're just just coming in and then then all of a sudden it all kicked off and it was it was brilliant it was just yeah yeah really really cool (laughs) amazing and uh, like how like judging the dance floor and honing that skill i suppose you've done that over a number of years i mean how is it just an instinct, and how demor- how demoralising is it when, as a DJ, you've come in, like you said, you've played three tracks and it's cleared the floor? Uh, do you- well, I knew I had to do that. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I wasn't, I, you weren't was going to no carry on. I wasn't, from- wasn't going to follow. That was not yeah. me to follow on what was there. So I knew yeah. I had to empty the floor. Yeah. Um, it was just a case of how long was it? I, I was I was confident myself. Yeah. But then I, I just had little bits of self self doubt. Yeah, you see the people like Tony Truman stick his head in. There's an empty, empty dance floor. You do tend to it's sort yeah. of like you go, ah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. not a good feeling. Not no. a good look. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So uh, yeah, I, I, no, I have you... the confidence. I that was that's one thing that's happened in the last since I've sort of got reasonably well known in the last three or four years playing with, and also I've had a lot. Of, I've had a lot of people that have said, listen to me and said. We want you to like Mark Jones. Mm-hmm. I want you to play. Well, what do you want? Whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. Rusty. Whenever I play with Rusty Egan, I warm up for Rusty. All he'll tell me is, I want it at this BPM. He said you can go up or down, but when you come into me, this is the BPM I want, and this is the vibe I want. Do what else you want. Great. Yeah. I've had Cameron Leslie. Mm-hmm. I did a private party for Cameron. I had to do a. We did it in his school, his children's school on a rooftop. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I do VJing as well, and I projected all right, okay. onto all these things. It, it wasn't like a sunset thing, but it got a little bit carried. We, we, I did the sunset, but the sunset was about 10. So I went from 10 till 12, and I <laughs> cranked up with it. The police turned up oh, no. <laughs> at the school. <laughs> but he's, you know, having people like that have just say, we know what you do, just do what you want. Yeah. Initially, when you start out, you, you think, well, is it just me? Do I just know... 
And I wasn't getting the gigs. I was getting the gigs where people wanted to hear Abba and uh, Rihanna and, and all the yeah. others. And you think, well, were you born knowing that? Do you not want to educate your mind musically? It's harder to keep those sort of events going and the floor going than it is for a house. So, so that's really helped me. I can, I'm, I'm used to going to a, sorry, I'm used to going to uh, a wedding where you're playing to all sorts of age groups, people liking all sorts of genres. Typical wedding will have 80 people. Yeah. Only 50 of them are going to dance anyway. You ain't going to get all 50 to dance apart from the first three records after the first dance. So you've got to, you've got to really be able to look at people and hit the ground running. You've got to be able to look at how, what they wear. When, if, you, if you're lucky enough to be able to be playing background music earlier on, watching people's reactions to how things are said, you've got to take in all the, all the, the signals. signals. Yeah. You really have to. It's people chess. Yeah. Yeah, you just you just got to look and think, yeah, that one... So then you'll try one, now that didn't work. Well, that didn't quite work, but if that didn't work, then it's going to be that way. And you, 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 you've got, and I don't know where I read this, but it's, I've, I've, I've found it was true. You've got, probably got about two, three opportunities to push a floor and make it work. If you screw it, the floor will lose confidence in you. Whether they're stuck, I ain't going to say we've lost confidence in the DJ, but they will. Yeah. So you've got to know, you've, you learn that from, you learn that from working corporate and wedding gigs. Yeah, it's like uh, a herd mentality. Uh, yeah, you've yeah. you, you, you got to you've got to sort of gradually build. But if you if you go bang to push it too early, they're like, "What's he doing?" Yeah, it's yeah. this. It's just, you just got to know. Just you just got to just right. Yeah, and be and almost tease them, almost take them there, and then pull them away. Yeah, take them there, pull them away, and then bang. One of the best guys I know doing that sort of thing is Eric Murillo. We were fortunate enough that two days after I played, Eric played at Pikes. Yes. There was about 150 people there, and they were all, without exception, house lovers. Yeah. Unfortunately, well, September's not too bad, but sort of July and August, you've got a few what I call tourists yeah. that are there but don't know quite why. There was none of that. Absolutely. It was, it was one of the best crowds, apart from... I went to the opening... Uh, when artwork was playing again that was all locals yeah they all knew why they were there they knew it was all about a certain side of fun and a certain type of music when Eric Murillo played and he just I'd, I'd seen him actually at the beginning of the year he played at Blue Marlin and he followed on from some Berlin techno guy I think well tech house it wasn't techno it was tech house yeah. I think where's he going to go with that because I said, said I was with my son. I said, oh, this is going to be interesting. That gets Eric. And it was this guy that had been on before him. Hadn't played. There wasn't a vocal in sight for an hour. And it was just like everybody's head bobbing. And what was really good was because it was in April, all the VIP were all the locals. They weren't people from another country, you know, like Russia or wherever, yeah. with loads of money and just sitting there. Yeah. It was it was a real... It was Everybody was there dancing. And uh, he followed on. He was brilliant. I, I, I'd only really seen him at Pasha, and when he when he did the he's had his residency there, so he's fairly middle of the road. He was great, he was great at what he did, but I was I was really impressed. He was able. He just followed on, and then he, then he again. I'd say it was about half an hour before he even dropped a vocal in, and then he slowly brought it round to sort of Eric Murillo. But what he did in Pikes was just amazing. Yeah. He just he just toyed with that brilliant night, one of the best nights I've had there. No way. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about <clears throat> we're talking about Ibiza anyway. Um, 
and obviously it's so intrinsic to the the dance music world um what were your kind of first experiences with the island <laughs> you've just raised your eyebrows and well, grinned I, well no again like my dj i got into it late yeah um well, I mean, I was, late, late as in... I was 50. Right, okay. When I first got there, I was 50, yeah. so 12 years ago. Yeah. I was there 10 minutes and just thought, why well, have I never been here before? This is my house. This is where I live. Yeah. I, this was in a taxi and this was like going on the underpass. It wasn't even... It's it was a feeling. A feeling. It's a feeling. I, it, it, was the, it was the grottiest looking bit. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know just, just, yeah, the, yeah. just yeah. the first underpass. Yeah. But it's like, I just felt this is, this is where I've always meant to be. Yeah. So yeah. odd. And be forever grateful for the people that invited myself and my wife. And quite understandable. Oh, we don't want to go there, you know. And they said, "Look, really, we're going to a villa away from everything. You'll you'll love it." And that was it. She, <laughs> I was on the she was on the phone to me this morning. Have you booked Pikes yet? And when are we going to the opening? <laughs> I mean, there seems to be um, there is. Uh, this whole generation that um, went through and lived through kind of that summer of love or just the 90s kind of dance music era. And they've all kind of grown up. They've all got disposable income. They've all got kids that are older now. Yes. And they're all able to continue this lifestyle that there, there's had. There is. There's two sort that There is, yes. You've got these clockwork orange. Yeah. And, but then you've, you've got another crowd as well that also want different... Types of music, different types of music. Yeah. The, the Clockwork Orange. The clock, there, clock. There, there is a, a set of music that sort of works with Clockwork Orange, yeah. and it's be it will be remixed, and there's amazing remixes. But it is a. But you've also got another crowd that fit into the the, the age group that you're talking about, but they'll also listen to a broader, yeah, broader yeah. spectrum of music. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you know, yeah, there is a place for that kind of nostalgia beefed up. To, I, to try and play, I try and play to both. But yeah, like, you know, if you're an eclectic DJ, especially as well, you know, having that broad sense yeah. of... Um, Don't get me wrong, Clockwork, best parties on the islands, really great fun. I saw them in Vauxhall. A friend of mine was running the door in, in, uh, when they went to play at Vauxhall. And it, I was just like, Christ, this is, this is properly mad. Yeah. Really, really, just, just amazing. Danny, he's mad yeah. anyway. He's just, just so full of life, full of energy. Like me, he doesn't drink, doesn't do anything. He just, just totally gets his buzz and his whole everything out of life of pine. Yeah, I mean, their story is, um, you know, it's like some people have kind of made their passion this huge thing that everyone else can feel when they go to those events. Oh, definitely. without doubt. Um, I mean, let's try, still want to talk about kind of Ibiza and, um, and Pikes and everything. Obviously... You're a resident DJ there and have played there many times. Um, it's an incredible place. Um, we've interviewed Dawn Hindle for this series already. Yeah. Um, and actually at the hotel itself, there are a few kind of places to play in amongst it. There's Chez Fez where you were talking yeah. about earlier. Um, obviously there's Freddy's and the poolside. You know, have you mixed it up between those? And do you I've, have a I've played in the main room with Rusty. Yeah. And I played Chez Fez. Yeah. And what? Um, how do you approach... Each one of those rooms. Well, different sound systems. Well, yeah. they have beefed up the sound system in uh, Chez Fez uh, to what it was like. They've now got a lot of bass in there, uh, which they didn't have before, and they got speakers all the way around. Yeah. Whereas in the in the main room, beautiful sound system, 
uh, specced up by DJ Harvey. Yeah, I think <laughs> Dawn was saying it was massively overspecced for the room, but she yes. wanted those good-looking yeah. speakers. Yeah, Har- Harvey Harvey sorted all that out with his yeah. with his flowers. That's the whole place is just an institution. Yeah, yeah, um, it's 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 really special. Some people don't get it. Some people, but it's go. They're thinking it's going to be a club, or but it's it's not. It's about the people, it's like the hotel itself. The hotel, <coughs> excuse me, I think is a two-star hotel. Yeah. Yeah, but it's uh, in the top one hundred hotels in the in the world. But if you want some entertainment, have a look at TripAdvisor. For people reviewing pipes. People reviewing it, and they just say, "Dear Mister Customer, you've obviously come to the wrong place. This is yeah. this hotel is about the people, mm-hmm. not about the fittings and fixtures." Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I mean, so when you play at Pikes, um, for you, I suppose, talking about you, obviously you're eclectic. How would you class yourself as a DJ and how do you approach a set at Pikes musically? Is set, anything, a, anything goes? A set at Pikes, yeah, anything goes. I try and get into the mindset of the people that are, that are there, which is usually pretty spangled at that time in the morning. And they want something that's quite trippy, bit of a house beat, not too fast. Yeah. What's the perfect BPM? Would you say? One eighteen, one fourteen to one eighteen. Yeah. No, that that's pushing it. One eighteen. Yeah. It's almost walking pace in there, and occasionally you, you get in a two-hour set. You might be able to go two or three times more than that to pull it up. They, they don't want to go any faster than that. It's not like uh, the the guys that go on do tend to do shortish sets. So longish, not shortish, longish sets. So they they take people on a journey. Harvey will do the whole thing on his own. Yeah. Art, artwork did it. When Edmarillo went on, he had... Oh, he's going to kill me. I've forgotten his name. But one of the local residents came on before him for two hours, 10 till midnight. And then Eric went on from midnight through to four. Yeah. Yeah, so four hours. His fellows is, is sort of the typical amount of set that you do and you've played the the freddie rocks um event specifically yeah can you just kind of just tell us about what those events entail in terms of what they stand for and 
Right, Freddie Mercury used to, well, he had quite a few parties there, but he, he had his famous party, his birthday party, it was his 40th or 41st, where they had like the dwarves walking around with plates of cocaine and all that type of yeah, goings yeah. on and sort yeah. of all, all sorts of naughty behaviour. And what they decided to do was to, once they named the room, after Freddie, because in his in his lifetime they didn't have a, a room name after him. They thought they'd have a a party, and Mark Jones he instigated. Well, he he ran he ran them in the in the main room. They would have they used to have Rusty and then Rusty myself in that main room, uh, and then they'd have we've passed over to Sister Bliss and also to Felix Buxton from Basement Jacks. Yeah. But these are all people that, that um, have been helped in some way or another by Mark. Mark yeah. Mark's record label, Wall of Sound. They, they, they were the first people that uh, distributed anything off of uh, Basement Jacks. I don't know if you're yeah. aware of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it, it would be... And then, then it would be maybe... They, they'd play for two or three hours and then the last hour would be somebody pretty hard... From locally that would uh, that would finish off, yeah. Um, and then in the, in the other room it would be me and a couple, well one other just playing a counter to the whatever was in the, in the main room, more a more trippy chilled version of, of what was going on. Yeah, and how much Queen are you allowed to get away with playing? Um, <laughs> when they like I said they didn't do it for the last the last year, but prior to that, Rusty would would go to virtually all because that's what he 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 does. In fact, year before last, I, I played in uh, Zanzibar and went to see Freddie Mercury's birthplace with with a picture of Freddie Rock's t shirt had, and they actually took me in. And where they take people, where you can go into the house to have a look around. If the guy said, "What's this T-shirt?" and I said, "Because it had Ibiza and Freddie rocks and a picture of Freddie," I said, "Well, I, I DJ at uh, his, his birthday parties, really." And I showed him on the phone. Oh, he said, "This isn't really his room." <laughs> he said, come, <laughs> "Come this way." You get the real you know, tour. You get the real tour. They took me round, and this is this is where. Yeah, we don't let the tourists in where it really yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So went to that and then got back and about well, a month later, got a phone call. Oh, would you like to do the after party for Queen at the O2? Oh, okay then. <laughs> so oh, I went and did the after party with Queen at the O2. Yeah. And then I had a T-shirt made of me with my picture of standing outside of, in his real bedroom, then with a... It's a Queen DJ access all areas pass. And I, <laughs> so, yeah, this will do. <laughs> The those kind of gigs where you are playing those kind of after parties for huge events. You said earlier you do, you're doing the national, national TV, TV awards, awards, which is incredible. You mentioned corporate gigs as well, but that's kind of like that step on from that. You are playing to what could be like real musicians and real kind of a-listers in that sense in the room. Is does that kind of give you pause in any way, or do you kind of thrive used on to? That? Yeah, it used to, and you have to go very middle of the road. Yeah, being a DJ is. And especially in my position where I'm not a top DJ in terms of... I'm top of where I, I want to be, but I'm not top in terms of this is Paul Lilly and he is known for X, Y and Z. Because whilst I'm about to mix up a bit, I can't... I've been paid to play what I'm known for. Yeah. The same thing happens, unfortunately, to musicians. And they... It must be horrendous for them in some ways. Yes, it must. It's great. You know, loads of money, stand out, play in front of loads of people. But... Uh, 
creatively, I'm yet to find a non-frustrated musician that I deal with anyway, because they, they have new work, they want to bring out new work, and you have this balance of how much of... We're going to play something from our new album. Yeah. How much of that can they get away with? Because everybody just switches off, goes to the bar. All they want to hear is their big hits. It's very, very, very... I'm fortunate. I can play what I want. I'm not stuck to anything. In terms of when when I play in these corporate gigs, I will start off right in the middle. So I'm very... Not cheesy, but something that everybody knows. There's there's a difference between playing something that's number one to something that everybody... No, it's still cheesy, but it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. there. Um, and then we'll just see where we go. I like at a wedding to finish it off with grand dancing to insomnia or, you know, because she's she's allowed me, she got confidence in, oh, I don't know this one. I want them to sort of stop saying that and, and say, well, I don't know this one, but I'm going to stay because it's quite good. And I'm having a good time. time yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's what I try, try to educate. But to, to, to do that, you have to get them on side first. You can't just go, here we go, we're going to go off guard. It just isn't going to work. They just switch off straight away. Yeah, it's a fine balancing act. It, 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 and you've got to watch, again, all the signals. You've got to watch all the signals. And you've got to... Some of the corporate gigs I do, you've got to think, are they there just to talk? Is it a business event where they've got to hear each other? And and then I'll, I'll just go along. But hopefully what I try and do even with those is at the last half hour, just push it just a little bit and let them have a little dance at the end. Because if they stayed that long, they've yeah. had a few drinks and they're going to want to dance. They're probably bored with <laughs> <laughs> all the talking and everything that's going on. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but it's it's good fun. It's it's and it, it is challenging. It's and it's hard work. When you finish, a lot of my sets will be from even the, sh- uh, the shortest is four hours. Four hours is short for me. Wow. But they're they're at, they're at different tempos. Probably the, I say that the recent the re- recent most recent thing I did that was was New Year's Eve at Putney Pie. So that was five hours, and I started at ten. But I had to hit the ground. It was. Because that was the two-hour run into midnight, and I finished at three, and they were all still going at three. So I had five hours of proper keeping it at a, at a level. That's hard work. Yeah. That really is hard work. Yeah. Uh, but I, at a corporate, I could be starting at six, seven o'clock, just playing background. But then I may not really, really be working to... I'll be watching all the signals, but not having to write this next track. If I get this wrong, I've lost the floor and the evening's gone type situation until half 10 yeah so i might just properly play for an hour and a half and in terms of the places you've played in the world are there kind of cultural differences between different dance floors in different places around or would you say that we're all animals and we all just love beats (laughs) Ah. we'll get on the dance floor eventually what would you say i would say the best place to give a description of that was zanzibar I played in Zanzibar and I arrived and I was playing after, I don't know how long it took us to get over there, about 20, something, 22, 23 hours with all the stops and everything. And I played four hours afterwards, I got there. So I arrived, I went to sleep for three hours, got up for an hour, sort of like, where am I? And then was put into this sort of hut where there was about 200 people. And it was on a cliff overlooking the, the scene. It, sort of, it looked down and it dropped down about 50 foot onto the, onto the beach, but it was just... Beautiful huts, <laughs> circular hut, yeah. beautiful sound system. And standing in front of me was a couple of Maasai warriors with spears, knives, and eyes like, I don't know what, they were out on stalks, God knows what they were on. <laughs> there was two girls that, that were Eastern European that were dancing really clubby. There was surfers, there was people from Scandinavia. It was just a complete melting pot. It was a proper, proper melting pot. 
and the whole place went on. It was just, just, ap- and it was such a plea because it was. The- I've never been to Zanzibar before. I was like trying to think Zanzibar. <laughs> yeah, what are they gonna like? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. It just, just, just. Where it was about two or three tracks in, and on. Just that feeling in myself. Right, I know, know where this is going. Yeah. And off we, off we off go. Off we go. Yes, it's uh, it's like fishing. It's like you're casting your net, and once you've got that line in, you're like off we go. <laughs> and other people kind of follow, yeah. follow on. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about Putney Pies. Yeah. In the case of Putney Pies, you said it was an amazing space, um, and there is an incredible roster of talent playing there. It's yeah. almost like a mini Pikes in the UK. The, in, ter- in terms of the vibe, yes. I, yeah. If you you look on Facebook, there's a guy there uh, who's and uh, Guy Williams banner, uh, Paradise Productions, I think it is. He played, and two or three guys jumped in, people have jumped in and said, it's the best venue to play in London. Out of all the places I've played, unless you're talking fabric or something like that, in terms of bars and and achievable venues, it's it's pretty special. And it's just the people. It's just, it's got water dripping off the side of toilets and rubbish. It's it's the same sort of thing as Pikes. It's nothing to do with, it's not flashy. You know, things yeah. don't work. I think, you know, people want that different kind of experience, don't they? That, you know, they have, there is a shrine. It's about music. There is high, there is print works. Yeah. But then these other spaces like Pikes and smaller, more intimate venues is kind of, and you'll get more of a musical education. Yes. That's where it's at. Yes, def- definitely. You, you, yeah, you've you've got a real diversified people that you've had on here. Yeah, John's the drinks. Elisa Lau plays there. Yeah. So I think she was there. Like I think she was there on the Friday, and George was on. George Plant was on on the Saturday. Yeah, it's a real. You know, you have John's the drinks. A guy Williams I just mentioned. Yeah, you've got people coming in. Seb Fontaine plays down there. It, it, you know, it's it's the second tier sort of London Ibiza that all play there. Yeah. And I'm fortunate enough that I play there at least every other month. It's nice to be involved and to be thought, to, just to see your, your name with, the, with all these other names. You think, wow, <laughs> is it nice? <laughs> yeah, it's people. all happening. Yeah. Um, and what else have you got? Uh, obviously, we talked about pikes, plenty pies. What else uh, throughout the year? Kind of how Esvive, does that, how does or your as you say it in, uh, in uh, Spanish, uh, which is now owned by Lionel Messi, the footballer. I this. Again, this is my age. I had my 60th birthday there. Clara da Costa, do you know Clara? Mm-hmm. On the island. She's helped me enormously when, when I first started. I used to, she, she helps a lot of DJs. Though. I don't know if people realise this. Um, yeah, she'll give you advice and she, she's, she's, she's really good, Clara. And I was went down to see her play. She was playing on a little beach bar. Unfortunately, the name escapes me. But it's beautiful. You sort of like drive up the cliff outside Ibiza town. You go going towards Santa Lulia and you see a white rock and then you turn Calabonita. It's cool. Um, and Howard Hill, he plays there as well. Okay. And I was chatting to her with, with my wife saying, oh, I want to have a 60, but I've got any ideas? She said, well, the one that springs to mind is Pikes. I'm like, oh, yes, perfect. Because I've, I've stayed there, I've played there a few times before anyway. And it was owned by Jason Bull. I don't know if you know Jason. He... he owned Sands with Carl Cox and I played at Sands as well I know I'd known Jason for a while um it all seemed yeah that was great Jason brilliant all the invites went out everyone brought their flights and then in April it, <laughs> Lionel Messi brought the hotel I was like ah not sure he's going to quite like what I'm about to do to his hotel but fortunately all the staff kept yeah I mean I I, I didn't 
I only knew Jason and one member of staff because I hadn't been there for, for quite a while, um, probably eight years. I mean, we had a big part, we did sort of a, a festival thing there. And they didn't book the whole area above where we were having the party. So I did the sunset on the roof, we did the poolside, then sunset on the roof, then we came in and went into the, the experience bar underneath. Have you been to the experience no, bar? No, I haven't, no. Yeah, proper, proper experience in there. Okay. Um, and it's, it's like going into Alice in Wonderland where you go down the, you go into the little cave and it seems to be, it's, it's an optical illusion. It gets oh, narrow right, and narrow. Yeah, I've and, seen pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you go into, into there. Yeah, and we, we, we had a, a drama. We had a couple of dancers from uh, La Troya. It was, it was great. And it didn't cost a great deal. It was, it was really, it, I was amazed at what I got, lovely food. Yeah. Anyway, and they booked me, they booked my son. Is <laughs> your yeah. son a DJ as well? My, son's a, my, my, eldest, my eldest is the best DJ out of all of us, both technically and from his ear, but he, he struggles playing to a crowd. Right. He wants to play what he wants to play, and if you, if you like what he did, I mean, he, he, on, the, on the side of the Thames where you got that, they have that little beach. Yes. There. He, he used yeah. to do the, part, be on okay. the, do the yeah. parties down there. My youngest one is doing the whole thing. He, he's played out. He's had a season in Ibiza. Mm. He'll play. He, he covers now for me. He works for, do you know, Tim Cullen at the Ministry mm. of Sound. He does work with him. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's sort of, yeah, in the, in the family. In the family. In the family. My, the youngest one, I do some, we mentioned polo events, and some of them, the best one, best one we did we had DJ Fresh was the headline, mm-hmm. and he just had Louder. Louder was was number one that week. Brandon was just coming to the end of the new Brandon. He was there <laughs> in body, <laughs> um, and Hoxton Halls were there. Gary Devlin. Yeah. So it was, it was some interesting characters. Yeah. And this, my son turned up. They they asked me would I interlink between everything, yeah. and my son was starting off. And I said, yeah, I'd do it. And I wanted X and I wanted a percentage. And everything was great. So I was really happy. I said, and one more thing, I want my son to warm up for me. Yeah. And I, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, do you didn't think I'd risk it if I didn't think he was up to it? Yeah. And it was just, just an amazing experience. We turned up and they were, when we got there, they were briefing the car park attendants. And there must have been 40 odd car park. Yeah, it was just, it was massive. They, they had something like two and a half thousand people. There. It was brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Really, and it's just, just, just an amazing. And I remember Brandon running on the stage, clapping when he was playing, and, and sort of like pointing, and the, and the, door, the security guys dragging him off, <laughs> putting him back in the green room. Stay in there, Brandon. <laughs> A real proud dad moment. Oh yeah, no, it's yeah. brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. And um, thinking of the future in terms of 2010, uh, sorry, 2020. <laughs> yeah, thinking of the future in terms of 2020. Um, what are your plans? And like you know, you said at the top of the interview that you've kind of just made music, only recently made music, like your career. Um, where do you see it going from now? What kind well, of? Well, I say recently, it's been almost eight years now. It's like well, full time. I was yeah. I've been doing it at this. I've been doing it to get a decent living for the last twenty years, but yeah. I've properly full time for eight years. Yeah. Um, just more of the same because each year I said, well, I don't think it's going to be quite as good. This year has just been amazing. How I was, I had in my mind, right, I'm going to strip this down, I'm going to do that, I'm going to go through this collection, I'm going to file this. And 
didn't go quite to plan. It's just been it, the phone and, and jobs have just been coming in. It, it, it's it, because the, the, the benefit of, of not being in one area means that one thing goes down, another thing goes up. I do a lot of lot of good high end parties. Yeah. Um, I want to try and combine travel because I've got the bug for that. I've had you know, I've, I was in Bali, well, Lombok and the Gillies in May, and then then I went into Bali in November. I, I've, I've sort of Italy, France. Just before Christmas, somebody who, again who was at Pikes flew me and my wife over to to Spain to put on a party. They said, oh, do you want to play? I said, yeah, I do, but wife, yeah. we'll fly over as well. <laughs> okay. Well, I put her up. Yep, yep. Yeah. It's, it's just like, uh, I said, there you go, dear. <laughs> Two weeks before Christmas, we were flown over. And I said, oh, my granddaughter's coming. So is one of my sons and a load of other men. I said, that's all right. We, we, they put a big stretch mark on when we came to the airport. <laughs> and I said, there you go, we're enjoying themselves. I just, just had to yeah. pinch myself. I'm 60-odd. Yeah. I should be, I don't know, growing up. <laughs> never, never. <laughs> no, that's a Peter Pan syndrome. Yeah. Um, I just want to do more of the same. I want, I want to travel with, with my music. That's, where, that's, that's what I've sort of targeted myself to do, is to try and get more, more gigs further afield. I've, I've now got the confidence to do, do anything. I wouldn't mind playing in, in a really big venue for a house event. I've done big, I've done big, big events corporately. I, I do... Uh, Great Ormond Street. I'm, I'm the resident for all the big fun runs. So yeah. I've played to ten, fifteen thousand people in Hyde Park for a couple of hours. You know, I, I, I've done the Copper Box, which I don't know if you know this side. Yeah. There's yeah. five, six thousand in there. I, I did that for Bow Media. Yeah. Now you're talking about all oh, there might be musicians in front of you. I'm playing there to every bloody radio DJ in the country. <laughs> um, no, actually, I better not say names. Where certain certain people were coming on that had had a hit on the radio. Yeah. And they had to play a couple of tracks. Quite a few of them just went press play and like wave their arms about a bit. Yeah. But my job was to play in between each. So I'd have them beside me, then I have to play. But I had headphones on. But I also on one side was mine. On the other side was the house manager because you'd have bands warming up. Right. All Saints, we, I don't know, there's, whatever was number one and stuff. There's about five or six decent, you know, top level bands. But they say, right, they're going, no, no, hold on, no, you play another track. And you try to lead into what was going on. So you'd have the counting down. And that, that kind of thing is, is I enjoy it. I enjoy, yeah. the, I, I enjoy the technical side. Yeah. Um, we were mentioning before we start, I do VJing as well. I mean, yeah. I've, done, uh, I've done gigs at the Roundhouse, Guy Gerber. Well, I did the, I did the festival for London uh, Tel Aviv mm-hmm. Festival, the Roundhouse last, and the year before last. And the Infected Mushroom, which is yep. a psych trance band. Yep. I did the whole, all the visuals for them. I was sitting there playing. My, well, I, I, had, I had the house sounds coming. It was, key, was, was triggering some of the, uh, the effects. And I was playing it, playing it off a drum pad. So that was good. But, but as part of the past, I said, oh, we've got, got a DJ, Guy Gerber. Would you like? I'm like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, have, a few, we'll have a few backstage passes. So I, it was really funny. My son said, where are you going, Dad? I said, here. We can't park there. I said, I can. <laughs> Watch. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, don't believe this. Yeah. You know, the next thing he's in the booth with guy, yeah, and it was, yeah. it was just just amazing. This is also like, yeah, you, all the good that you've given to the universe musically in this way, it's kind of paying itself back to you now. It's karma. It's just, it's, I just love it. It's yeah. just so much fun. I, ju- I just have to pinch to myself to believe that you know, through something I love so much that it's just, just so much fun. I stopped working 
I don't work. I'm more active than I've ever been. I, I will be doing something. I will be on the internet or I'll be looking something up or listening to me till 12, 1 o'clock this morning. I was up at 7 doing stuff all the time related to it. I've never been so busy, but I've, I don't work. Yeah, keep it up. It's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, kind of try and wrap it up. It's incredible what you, how your life has changed musically, and we always try and get the, the um, our interviewees input into our house culture perfect playlist, which you can find yeah. on Spotify. Um, the five tracks based around specific themes, and yeah, so we always kick it off with the catalyst, a uh, uh, house music track that kind of inspired you from the off, and just kind of in, for each one of these, I suppose, what we just want to know is just give a little bit of a shorthand experience and what these tracks mean to you. So the first one, the catalyst was... Ultra Favour by Heather and Farley. Um, And it would appear that it's not just mine. Um, I don't know if any of you have had a listen to... Well, we were talking about Clockwork Orange. If you have listened to the sets, I think there's about 19 of them they just posted from the Fabric gig. Yeah, I was there, yeah. You were there. You may have noticed that Ultra Favour was the most played track. (laughs) (laughs) Because I... I, Definitely heard Heller and Farley play it, I remember that. that, For my sins, I do... I listen to what everyone else is going. And that's what, getting back to what I said about that thing about choice. I'll just go through everything and I'll just see how it sits in that set and think that set actually, how that works. Yeah, that track will work for me in that situation and I'll whiz it off to another bar set. So my my thinking works. But but going through that, it was, oh, another one's played it. Oh, another one's played it. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's one of those. It's a classic. It is is a classic, but it's not an overdone classic. It's not Promised Land. It's not Show Me Love. Yeah, uh, And there's there's also a couple of remixes. Qatar, some K-A, double T-A have done one, where they've got like a a double hit on the the bass, on the snare. Yeah. um, Which... I then loop and take into a try or I'll bring it in quite early and you hear that come through. Yeah, it's it's a it's one I like. I went to the aquarium, is it called? In in Old, Old Street. Street. Old yep. Street. On an office party. Yeah, I was a bit naughty there and, and that that's where I and I heard that going off. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, you wake up the next day and there's still a track going through your head, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. going round in a loop. <laughs> <laughs> and the next time you hear it, you yeah, have you're, that. you're like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, you're not talking about <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. I'm sure everybody's listening does. Yeah. Um, and it's a, f- a floor filler for you, what is your... Um, I know it's always difficult to nail these things down. It depends on the crowd and everything. Right, it, depend, but... it depends on the crowd, but it's also one I quite quite often start off with. If I have that situation where I was saying before, where I'm like on as the main act and somebody else has been hammering it beforehand and I want to take or, ch- or I want to change the vibe. Yeah. This one's perfect for it, uh, for you, for Measure Men. You, you've got that bit of the... Yeah, I'm not going to see that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's, you, you've just got that... You, it, and it goes on for about just over a minute. Yeah. I didn't know the time exactly because I played it. It was the first track I played after... No, the second track I played after uh, New Year. I played New Year's Day first track. Um, and then I played this one to take it because I've been playing sort of disco-y, housey remixes, sort of party, because it's a party, New Year's is a yeah. party. Yeah. So I've played, I was playing housey party tracks up until New Year's Eve. Yeah. And we had the, the gongs and I was going to say, right, punctuation mark. It's, it's, it's a punctuation track, but it, it works because it gets everyone's attention. Everyone's like, they either know what's coming or if they don't know what's coming, they're sort of like... 
what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and yeah. when it when when this one, the way this is particularly how it, how this mix works, when it comes in, it just like it's like wow, this yeah. is it's, it's a good track. Yeah, it's got like that enveloping kind yeah. of feeling yeah. on it. Um, a sunsetter. Oh, it's a this is just a standard classic, but it's just one I prefer myself. <laughs> it's a talking to myself. 98 County remix by Electribe 101. Yeah, I mean, that remix, um, it's one of those ones where it almost, I don't want to say improves on the original, but it's a different beast and it's almost as good as the original, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's 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 the one I play when I, when, when I do do a sunset mix and it's and I'm making up of classics yeah. sometimes I'll I'll do opera I'll do as I say you know, Morricone and then yeah. they all do, if everyone's trying to outdo each other with just trying to find something that's a little bit different yeah um, and they don't say I mean, you see them all going shit <laughs> with the phones <laughs> um, so yeah but that, that, that one works um, I, I did a video actually of the sunset when I was playing it at SVV now I know SVV's on the the other side of the island for sunsets, but you still the sun still goes down there and it goes behind the, the mountains behind SV. So you yeah. do get a sunset. You just don't get the spectacular one you get uh, on the north of the island. Yeah. Um, and I posted it on Facebook and loads of people said, what is this track? And I think, hell, you take the people. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it had quite a lot of impact. Yeah, it's yeah. one that people, people do like. And I get people come up and ask, what is it? Because they're not all my age. Yeah, there are people that are younger and haven't heard that, and it's in. And that's the thing. It's like sometimes, like you've got to remember that some people haven't grown up in this scene, or and just not be precious about. If people want to know something, it's a, that to us is kind of can seem an obvious track. Yeah. Um. That they sh- that they that everyone knows. You know, not everyone that was knows a, it. It's, it's a yeah. good point because that was another thing where I was thinking, oh, that's too obvious. Yeah. I've started introducing a few of the ones I. And, and getting quite a good response. So I, I'll try every so often to drop drop something in. I think that's obvious because it's so obvious to me. But yeah, but I, and I like it. So that that's that possibly fills into that as well. Yeah, a tearjerker, something that fills you with emotion. Um, probably a track that's more famous than the film it comes from. I think I don't think I've ever seen the film. I haven't either. But yeah, it's any. You've already mentioned his name a yes, few times. Yes. Yes. This track is. Uh, Come Madalena by Ennio yeah. Um Very similar in terms of how it's set out as for you. <laughs> in terms, of if you, if yeah. you, if you look, yeah. at, look at how how it works, mm-hmm. you have a very long build, up, very long and slow build up, then a, a quick crescendo, and then drop, long build back up again. Yeah. Uh, and it and it has the same sort of impact in the way when it does that. But it just which is one of those tracks that. But I remember the first time, I've, I've heard it loads of times, I heard it played at Pikes and my wife said, what's up with you? You, see, you look like you've seen a ghost. They were playing at the pool, we were having, yeah. we were having the standard Pikes Sunday roast. Yeah, uh, I was like, oh, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, it really was, uh, I just, just, it's just, just one, of those, one of those tracks. Just, I don't know why it hits me. Yeah. Uh, it just does. It's just a feeling, isn't it? Yeah. The guy's a genius. Um, and a last tune, the crowd are asking for one more. What do you play? All right, Brad Carter mix red carpet. Again, it's the same, Great. same sort of thing. It's 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 a slow build up. It gives yeah. people. It's got those chords. It's not rushed or hurried. It's just a statement, and yeah. and it's one of those sort of tracks that at the end of a good night, people are hugging each other and like they're clapping, and it's just 
It's just a feel-good song. Yeah, it's got that great feel-good vocal on it yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's got it's got every. It has the piano keyboards, which it's a bit handbaggy, but the way they're done, it, it, they're just so well produced. They're not they're not they're not a cheesy, yeah. but it's but it's got that part, so it appeals to that part of the audience. When it kicks in, it's got a proper it's got a proper house kick, and it's got a vocal. Yeah. So it sort of ticks an awful lot of ticks an awful lot of boxes. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I like to just be playing, banging away with a bit of tech, and <laughs> you have to you have to give the crowd what they want. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, um, our final question that we always try and wrap up with is: um, We are obviously house culture, and we live for the love of the beat, um, and it means so much to us in our lives, and it's given us so much. What does the whole culture of house music and dance music mean to you and how what has it given you in your life a reason to live confidence friends i'm an alcoholic and if it wasn't for my wife and house music i wouldn't be here so oh, it's as simple as that that's incredible <laughs> this is giving you your life basically yeah, yeah. i mean it just sums it all up well it's, it's the truth i had to have something when i stopped drinking and house music was it I think that's probably the perfect place to kind of finish, I think. Thanks so much for sharing all of that. Thanks, Paul. No, thank you. It's been it's been good. House culture. Well, we got pretty deep at the end there, didn't we? It was great to hear his story and to also understand how music has literally saved his life. Thanks for sharing all of that with us, Paul. Wasn't it also fascinating to get that anthropological insight into the workings of a dance floor? You have to be a real master of your craft in order to entertain all manner of different people and Paul's enthusiasm for this really shone through I think. And to spare Paul's blushes, the name he forgot of the DJ who was on before Eric Murillo at Pikes was Andy Baxter. As I said at the top of this episode, pretty much all dates discussed in here are in a state of flux. However, as of July 2020, Pikes Hotel has reopened. You can catch Paul playing there in early September. If you can't make that, you can listen to the very special mix he put together for us at House Culture on our SoundCloud page. Thoroughly recommend it. And if it's more sick beats you're after, you can find all of the tracks we enthused about on our Spotify playlist. Just open up your player, search for House Culture Perfect Playlist, and you'll be presented with a plethora of tunes that feature sounds from every corner of this thing we call house all chosen by our podcast guests past and present. Once you've followed the perfect playlist on Spotify, please support this podcast by loving, liking, tweeting, sharing, by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple. This is really important. Help us continue to create these episodes that we hope you love listening to. It could also get you a shout out on a future one as well. This time, the lucky shout goes out to the person who goes by the name of Cami Miami, who after listening to our episode with the scumfrog, Jesse Hoke, got in touch on instagram to tell us that she thinks he's such an amazing producer she loved his remixes from the 2000s thanks for dropping by cammy hope you also love all of the other episodes that we've put together just as much any more comments can be made by hitting up our instagram feed at housecultureNet or following the hashtag true house culture this way you'll be kept informed of all the parties that are currently happening all over the world and finally if you want to reach out to me matt rouse you can do it directly on Instagram at DJ Matt Rouse. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. See you next time. House Culture.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.